What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Rear Chronicles, brought to you by CinematicRail.com. I'm your host, David. I'm joined today, Mr. Renault. How are you today, good sir? Doing good. Can't wait to talk about this show about a bunch of waste management individuals. Uh, no other aliases involved. I mean, uh, there's nothing more common in New Jersey than waste management individuals so this is the perfect show for it and joining us today is mr jc i we moved days around for people that don't know we usually record on sundays but i wanted jc on this episode very very much so i would thank you jack for moving around your schedule to get everything done today mr jc welcome back how are you good sir um you know i'm good you know i'm glad you moved around because i was like like i really did not want to miss this episode but you know like like you said, like I wouldn't make you call out out of work for this a podcast, but I'm like I'm glad you was able to move it around. You know, like like this is one of the shows, like this is one of the things that we bonded on like, when we first got mm-hmm. cool because we both feel it's the greatest show of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, both feel we is both of our favorite shows. So it was like something that we really clicked on right away. And then being from the area, just that like, we we connect with certain things that you know, like other people might appreciate, but don't get as much as we do. Hundred percent. So we today we are covering the twenty fifth anniversary of what JC myself don't know if Jack is there, but I what I consider the greatest show ever made, The Sopranos. Uh I've always said I said it when we did the twentieth anniversary five years ago. Um I Love Lucy is always gonna be my favorite show because I grew up on it, but in terms of the greatest, most important show of all time, this is this is it. Like there's people talk about the wire and I, I've seen a few episodes of The Wire and I think it's very good from what I saw, but The Sopranos is like on another level of importance of what it did to television. And like JC said, I live in New Jersey. I live in North mm-hmm. Jersey. I've been to a lot of these places. I've <laughs> been to the Bada Bing. I've been to like I've been to the I've been to their house. And we're gonna I have actually a section on locations and I'll get to it later. But before we get into that, let's get into some of the news of the week. Uh the only reason I'm mentioning this is because I commend netflix for doing this uh so i'm a big wrestling fan and while we don't usually talk wrestling here this is a ginormous deal of wwe monday night raw heading to netflix for 10 years five billion dollars is the deal that was signed uh netflix has an out after five but they also have an extension after after 10 for another 10 so the deal in totality could be up to 20 years if everything goes according to plan and i i don't think it's gonna be a failed deal on both ends um wrestling right now as while ratings are not what they used to be like in the 90s i think wrestling right now is probably yeah i think it's it's at its most profitable essentially like wwe is making a year, I think it's two hundred million on Raw. Basically, they're making about five hundred million dollars on their three shows a year, and that's without any ticket revenue. So, the company's doing very well outside of certain outside things that I will not talk about on this podcast. That I am yeah, like, pretty whoever dis- follows wrestling already. Knows yeah, pretty pretty disgusted. Dead. But um, good for Netflix just getting out of like going into the live streaming world they're gonna they started with sag and we're gonna see how that goes in a few weeks because i am not 
I'm a little nervous that we're going to have a shitty stream because it's kind of their first real outing outside of a, <laughs> of an yeah, actor. Yeah, because that's YouTube, right? Last year was YouTube, and Netflix did a thing after one of their reality shows, like a live reunion, and that bombed. Like, they couldn't get the stream working. So we'll see what happens with SAG. But, yeah, uh, JC, surprised by Netflix? No, yeah. Like, when you when you send that in the chat, I, you know, like, I mean, but it, it makes sense because, like, we've talked about you. I mean, you especially, you mentioned it a lot in the, in the other episodes, how you feel that all the war shows should go to streaming. Like, we're going to start seeing, like, shows that, you know, like, wrestling shows, maybe some other big shows that just do that, like, of shows of that format. Because it makes sense. A lot of people don't... I don't have cable. I use, like, any shows. If it's a show that's on network TV, I like, Grace Anatomy, I, I usually wait on who's on Hulu the next day. I, like, I'm, I'm with you. I watch, watch network TV, so it makes sense to, for to for for. For the and we ju- and we just saw this with Thursday night Thursday night football. So that's a great yeah. point. Yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. point. I mean, I th- the, that everybody has, which is Netflix. Well, and I mean the numbers for Peacock for that Chiefs uh, Dolphins game a few weeks ago. I think it was the highest stream thing they've ever done on Peacock. Nice. Um, so. And I watch WWE pay-per-views. I have one in the background as we're recording. And the stream runs beautifully, so no complaints there. So, uh, yeah, the good move for Netflix. And then the other bit of news, the Academy Award oh. nominations. Um, I don't do – so bef- uh, shout-out to Hunter. He's not here today. Uh, 85 out of 105, myself, 85 out of 105, Jack, 81 out of 105, JC. 80, 80, 84, I 84 think. I was, like, of, just beneath you guys. And then, Merck, JC, on, on your end, you were 86 out of 105, not including yeah, shorts, not, right? Not, not in the shorts. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we all did pretty well. Like, yeah, literally uh, within it, one of each other. <laughs> I took I took a couple of risks that I regret, the whole May-December being the loans. I should have just stuck with May-December. That would have kept... Oh yeah, I, 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 I. It was a big production. It was a smart gamble for maybe getting in production because it summer. didn't get into eight. It didn't get into any guild. I was like, oh, this thing is dead. I will say, <laughs> me being a stat whore, uh, I, I guess I'm gonna go around all over the place here. Supporting actress was Danielle Brooks. We should have not predicted her at all as a stats. I saw Clayton's thing. So did you see that? Did you see the stat, Jack? Uh, I I heard that it was like a crazy. No, I didn't hear the exact. Stat. Danielle Brooks is the first actress to be not to be the lone nominee of a film that's a musical in the history of the Oscars. Oh. We should have not predicted. Wow, it. yeah, that's because usually, yeah, you can bag like a production design or yeah. something like that. Yeah, that's, but, that's why I had wow. it like, for production and costume because Color Purple has those things. Testament like, to the performance. Pretty- yeah, I mean, if you guys had friends. Uh, our offer and that said this movie was DOA months ago. I you know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I well, we do have another friend that's happy. So shout out to Darren. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I, I mean, I don't like the movie, but she is very good. So I'm, I'm yeah, cool with that nomination. Uh, makeup and hairstyling. I'm just gonna run through some of these. Nothing really shocking here. We, I think I went five for five. Uh, Golden Maestro Oppie Poor Thing Society of the Snow Nothing too crazy there Yeah Society That's the only yeah. one I got Yeah Gold, Golden was the one thing I took a shot of elsewhere But that was like Not surprising So Production design I went 5 for 5 Because I included Napoleon Out of I said yep. F it uh, Oh yeah And right there Sound Fuck you For this being The Mission Impossible movie That gets in 
<laughs> like I, I, I was so happy that zone zone of interest was there, but then we get the creator of Mission Impossible in here, and I'm like, come on, you really fucked me on yeah, here. The creator, I thought was going to be a visual effects player. Yeah. Um, film editing, uh, Barbie is pretty much the one that missed out on there, but it didn't have had a good. I mean, my best prediction all season came true, but everything else on Barbie on the higher end failed miserably. <laughs> Um, I'm going to skip the shorts because I don't – the only thing I noticed was that the Disney short yeah, was yeah. snubbed, and that's the only one I've ever – I've seen. So I'm going to – I will predict war is over. It's going to win, and I'm going to predict Henry Sugar to win, and I have no idea what I'm going to predict for documentary short. That's kind of where I'm at there. Yeah. Is, uh, what's yeah. the John Lennon one? Is, uh, is war, is, a, war is over. Okay. Yeah, I don't really know what that is, but I, I actually predicted that one to get in, Dave, just because I saw that. I was like, that seems like a name that could pop up, and it's got, like, name recognition, quote-unquote. Yep. So does that mean, like, posthumous Oscar for John Lennon? I don't know what, like, again, like, I don't know what, I don't know what the short is. Like, I don't know really what yeah, it entails. I'm... But I was going to say, if, if it does, then, like, sure, I'll count. Like, if, if Maestro <laughs> wins makeup, I'm going to count. Bernstein as a, as a cheat EGOT because I hold some beef because on the town and West Side Story both won music awards and he made that music first so I'm like man I should have given, given you one for writing it in the first place but um, costume design Napoleon gets in here as well I don't remember what my five were I'm I'll, if I'm wrong I'm wrong I don't remember what I was there um, cinematography I said, let me not go with the ASC five. I should have fucking gone with the ASC five. Uh, who and was I, it that was it Hunter that had El Con? I feel like one of us had El Con. No, we all went out. We all went out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because because Hunter mentioned like the new fixation with black and white movies, so that absolutely checks out. <laughs> yeah, the whole goddamn um, the whole goddamn ASC. Like I should have just done ASC five. No, it it just didn't feel good. El Conde being that low nominee, but then Bardo last year was ASC five too. So I should have just That's like I, was it was like oh, wow. uh, I don't know if it made ASC five. I'd have to look. Oh. I'd have to look back. But I think this is the first time. I don't even remember since when that every single nominee is black has black and white in it. <laughs> Yeah, because Killers has those clips of black and white. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, documentary film. I got fucked like hard. I got. I think I got one like two out of five. Yeah, I think I went yeah. two or three. I, know I definitely got like two. All season, I said, still's not gonna get nominated, and I loved it so much, and it got in everywhere. And I said, ah, I'm gonna put it in here, and of course, it didn't get nominated. I think if it didn't win the Emmy, it still would have yeah. gotten in because the because I think the rule came in that you could go in for both. Mm-hmm. And if it didn't win the Emmy, I think it would have gone in, and then um, it didn't. Uh, original song, uh, the California Law of Diane Warren, just getting in is here. So Diane Warren. Well, is glad here. to know we have we have a confirmed metric going forward. It has to be because <laughs> yeah. it, it's worth yeah, it like was three funny. years now. <laughs> I saw some people online be like, "Oh, it's crazy that Iron Claw didn't get in, but Flaming Hot Shoot has a one." Mm-hmm. Like, um, like I'm like, you have to also mention the the what what category you because you make that comment. And somebody's like, oh, yeah. Achito's got nominated for Best Actor. Like, no, it's just a freaking original song. Relax. I mean, if Diane Warren went, wrote the song from The Iron Claw, it'd probably be in here. Oh, yeah. We need to get her to write <laughs> songs for that we like. Although, she should have fucking won for her. Didn't she write I Don't Want to Miss a Thing? Get, yeah, a, get her to do the, get her to do the score for Heat 2. <laughs> Jack. There, Jack. There you go. There's your Oscar. 
Oh. Right, <laughs> do what the first one couldn't. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about he too the other day that if um I don't know if all the members are dead, you will know better than I do, Jack. But if if I remember when we've talked about heat, like you said, the only thing missing is man using Tangerine Dream. Can you imagine he too just like even if they're all dead, he just retros a Tangerine Dream score for that movie. Ah, oh, oh, yeah, get them at the Oscars too. Let's go. Original score. I went four for five because American Fiction fucked me. Um, but I did pick Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny because John Williams is not going to miss here. Uh, VFX, four for five. Mission Impossible is where I got effed up there. I think Godzilla minus one is going to win, but yeah. it could be I'm one of the it's, you, it's either that or the creator, but I'm hoping yeah. Godzilla. Godzilla... It, it, getting, it getting in means there's the support, and I think it opening to the wider group actually could help it. And it, I, it, I, it also released this week in black and white in theater, so I think more people are seeing it now too. So, did, did you, do you know anybody that saw that version? No, it's it's playing on in uh, Prime on 42nd Street. Uh, original screenplay where I I said, hey, I, maybe that salt burn couple of weeks has been for some reason, and it wasn't. Uh, four for five, May, December is the lone screenplay nominee this year that we always look for. I think Anatomy of a Fall is going to win this, especially with what happens in director a little later. This, <laughs> yeah, that, I, holdovers. Uh... I think if Alexander Payne w- was writing this screenplay... It oh, would have. Did he did he, did he notice the thing with best picture and and him? Yeah, he's the only one that doesn't have a nomination. Yeah, he's yeah. only direct. That was like because everybody else wrote their screenplay, the ones that didn't get in for. Oh. Or, <laughs> or or they or they produced a movie, so he has no nominations <laughs> this year. Um, the uh, adaptive screenplay. Um, I. I've heard rumblings. I just couldn't pull the trigger on Scorsese missing here and Eric Roth. But I did mention it in passing during our during our mm-hmm. podcast that there was a yeah. shot. So it did miss. American Fiction Barbie Oppenheimer Port Things is of interest. So everyone's talked, and JC and I talked about this. I haven't gotten there yet, uh, Jack, but a lot of people are comparing the whole Greta snub to, Bar- to Argo and Barbie winning Best Picture. I think they should be looking at this category. Yep. Instead of picture, yeah, yeah. Barbie yeah. Was the, not was... to mention you get the combo of Noah Noah Bombach too. Yeah, so dude, I get two two recent Academy darlings. I like... do think this is a three horse race. I do think American Fiction had a good day. I think it's in third. I do think if they really want to do the sweep for Oppenheimer, that they'll be the here's yeah. here's another I, one. I, I, I... And then obviously Greta, we, are, yeah. we just discussed. Yeah. What... Yeah, I think those American those the Fiction could be in second, uh, especially if the support is there for that movie. I think that's probably like the one place they really the could only reward place. it, I think. I agree. Yeah. Um, animated feature, I went four out of five. Robot Dreams, which I will definitely be talking about <laughs> in a little bit, uh, is the fifth film. Um, Ace Eddie released over the week, and Boy in the Heron missed Ace Eddie. And there has only I don't I think there's only been one movie in the history of the Academy Awards that has one animated film without getting into Ace Eddie, and Spider Man is an Ace Eddie, so I do think um <laughs> I think Spider Man has this edge there. International features, another one I got fucked. El Capitano and Perfect Days make it in. Society of the Snow teacher uh no and teachers. I went two out of five here. This is 
I would this is my worst category of the day. Um no taste of things. Uh no fallen No fallen, fallen leaves. leaves. Okay. And Totem, which was gaining steam, did not make it in here. Uh, Zone of Interest is winning. That's it. End of the story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, director. Yes. Yeah. That's a. No, so that's the thing that sucks when a, when a an international feature makes it to the best picture. Yeah, it, international so feature's been like, boring the, since what? The, like... the only one competing for the big award is somehow not going to win that category. This year would have been interesting though, because of an yeah. annual fall, it would have been yeah. two. <laughs> uh, director. Nothing happened here crazy, right, guys? We can just move on from here. Uh, Glazer, Lantimos, Nolan, Scorsese, Trier. Um, obviously, no Gerwig. Um, someone's you like... Could, what's crazy, and I, people have been, uh, people have been saying this online, and it's pretty fascinating how true it is. You could wipe that slate and do a completely new five, and it would, be a, it would still be an incredible lineup. You get Gerwig in there, Payne... Uh, a Celine song, Celine song, yeah. Uh, go crazy with the Spider Verse directors. Uh, on Durkin, like, like a Ridley Scott <laughs> or something like that. At the rate the below the nine nominations are going, I said I was like, for all we know, Napoleon could have pulled a Nightmare Alley, and just snuck in with the freaking tech voters. Was I sad though? Yeah, but this lineup is fucking killer. I do think this this is a very very good lineup. Mm-hmm. I mean, and now the intrigue is over, and Christopher Nolan is going to win his Oscar, and then we can <laughs> we can move on. Um, supporting actress uh, Emily Blunt, Daniel Brooks, Jodie Foster, Divine Joe Randolph, and America Ferrara Barbie. When this happened, I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be yeah. a good day. It's gonna like this is gonna be a good day." Um, yeah, this is over. Divine Joe Randolph's gonna win her Oscar, and yeah, we can. I'm perfectly so. fine with that. That's yeah, it, it's a solid win. Uh, supporting actor Sterling K. Brown. Whatever, man. I love Sterling K. Brown. Movie. <laughs> sure, whatever. Uh, I Robert De Niro. The triple R's got in as expected. And then Mark Ruffalo was the poor things boy in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good lineup. Robert Downey Jr. is going to win his Oscar, and we're all going to be happy. Uh, what would he do, though, if, if Gosling just surprises and wins? I'd kind of be bummed for our DJ. I really would. Yeah, on Twitter, will go crazy. Because I do, like, do I think Gosling is better? I don't know. I think Gosling's doing more. Yeah, but I yeah. think what, when Downey starts cooking in that third hour, it's very like Donald Sutherland and JFK, except he gets more to do in the last hour. Then I'm just like, all right. He gets that monologue, and I'm like, all right. You just won an Oscar. I'm like, I'm I'm totally cool with that. Uh, good lineup, though. Good to see Bobby in here, because after he got uh, yeah. the Irish one. Uh, actress. Of course, <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, what were you going to say, Jack? No, I thought you were going to do a different category. I was oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll do actor. I'll do actor. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of Scorsese snubs. <laughs> uh, so we had Cooper, Domingo, Giamatti, Killian, Jeffrey Wright. I didn't go SAG 5 because them matching back-to-back years is a rarity. So I was like, all right, let me not do the SAG 5. But, hey, I think this is a very good lineup all around. I do think Coleman, Domingo got in because he's Coleman Domingo and he's insanely charismatic. I nice. I'm a, Yeah, like I don't I don't know. I don't think Rustin's very good to be honest with you. And a, a, a lone <laughs> actor nomination. Like... I 
can't remember the last one of those off the top of my head. Yeah, because that's not the one that I would have thought would have been the low nominee because of the. I thought it was going to have a song. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. They, so, love, they love those type of songs for those those type of political biopics. So I'm assuming, I mean, I think whoever wins SAG is going to win the Oscar because I, yeah. I think Killian's winning BAFTA. So that <laughs> technically ties him and Giamatti. But then if Cooper wins SAG, then I don't know what the fuck I'm doing yet. I guess I'm you just going to go. Yeah. If Cooper wins SAG, I man. think I'm just going to go Cooper. <laughs> If that's oh yeah just, no well, oh I'm I'm simply Person. saying if he wins SAG the internet is going to be a very pleasant place to be I'll say that much <laughs> if he wins SAG it's over but I will say yeah it's very I mean this is me I I not speaking on you behalf of you guys here I think it's weird that everyone just switched to Giamatti because you won Critics Choice out of all of, like why like. I feel like I think it might be anticipation of like SAG, that, which I do. I do think he could win. He could win. I do. Yeah, and I, and I think, yeah, like SAG is really like his hope. This is and like if, really... if, if that doesn't if it, that just goes Killian, then then it's over. Then it's Killian. all the way. Yeah, but yeah, no, because I'm sorry. Because the thing with me is more because he's been killing these speeches. I like. I think me and you, Dave, have talked about. It a lot. I feel like the speeches help so much because I feel like that's what messed up Cody Smith McPhee when. When they didn't have oh, the sure, Globes, yeah. But they didn't have the Golden Globes live. I feel like the fact that he didn't get to give a speech kind of hurt him because then Troy won at the next award show that he just started killing all these speeches. But mm-hmm. Cody McMiffin never got to give a speech, and I feel like that kind of hurt him. So that's why I'm going like that's why I'm like I like kind of pull my chips on Giamatti per se because I just feel like he's been killing these these um these speeches and the fact that you know he's killing has also been acting for a long time. But I feel like Giamatti just has that like. Of character actor that just having his moment finally being nominated for lead actor, similar to like when, when um when Phyllis Dillon Hoffman won for Capote, he was like a guy that's always been a supporting actor, got a great leading role, and he got nominated and won. I think especially that, with that was the a uh, sweeper though. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And, and with Giamatti and SAG, especially like with his TV career, I mean, he did Billions and even like the like the miniseries about like John Adams. So he's been doing TV for a while too. So yeah, he could have built up enough goodwill to bring it home this time around. Yeah. But uh, if he does win, it's over. I will. Yeah. Then I'll say it's over. Even if Killian wins. uh, And and frankly, with the three horse race, I would honestly be happy with any of those outcomes. (laughs) Because I I would look back and be like, maybe I like this performance more, but. For this, like this being like the three header, like really I, good year. <laughs> yeah, I would put Giamatti third of the three to me. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of preference, I would probably put oh, Killian, okay. Bradley, and yeah. then Giamatti because I've seen Giamatti do this before. To be honest with you, I mean he's yeah, essentially yeah. playing this. He's another version of the character from Sideways. He's essentially playing the same thing. Like, I feel, I feel, I feel bad for Bradley. He'll be zero for twelve if he loses. Like this, <laughs> guy's gonna, this guy's gonna freaking go crazy. Nah, he's gonna win eventually. I think, I think he's doing it wrong this year. Campaigning has been a little bit less personal and more yeah. star-studded. Like he's bringing out Spielberg and all these like giant hey, feel- names. It's I, I, he hasn't been nominated for best director and like he wants to get taken serious as director. Well, that's the branch. The branch doesn't respect actors turned directors yeah. right away. No, no, it no, takes no. I, know, I know that's like has to hurt him that he hasn't been nominated for either of his movies. 
But I mean, like I said, that's what happens to directors turned actor. Look at look at Ben Affleck. He was an actor turned director, and they didn't respect him. Unless your name, unless your name, Robert Redford or Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, no, or Clint Eastwood. Yeah, literally, those three are the exceptions. Yeah, and in ninety six years, you have three exceptions. I mean, it's very, very obvious. And they, Howard, did they dominate him right away? No, they didn't nominate him right away. But he's only had like two. Movies he had like fifteen. He had fifteen years before he was nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> they really missed him for how the Grinch stole Christmas. I'll say that, that much. Fucking I'm still this day, I'm surprised <laughs> that, that movie's 13, so. Though. What happened? I'm still surprised to this day that he didn't get it for Apollo 13 because I just love that. Oh movie. yeah, yeah well, there the, it is. There the it is. the wrong movie won Best Picture and Best Director that year, and then the right movie wasn't even nominated for any category at the Oscars that <laughs> if, year. If, if he was nominated, I would have been that was Ralph. But from the actual nominated directors, I do feel that person deserved it. Mel Gibson, that movie fucking from the actual nominated. That movie sucks. That movie is <laughs> fucking. People. Remember, Michael Mann and, and Ron Howard weren't in the categories. If they were, that, that would have Yeah, been. that was the DG. And then Ron Howard won DGA that year, <laughs> which is yeah. hilarious. I probably um, imagine if, if we were keeping. If it would have been that something like that happened now, we would have gone crazy. Like, what the f- I do think the whole populist movie, they just. It's two things. The director's branch are snobby that don't like really actors turn directors right away. And number two, they don't like populist movies. Because look at Nolan. Nolan is actually the perfect example. He he's got in twice. He's gonna he's win this one. And there's two. And there are two World War Two movies. I mean, that kind of shows like the types of movie he had to make to oh, get yeah, in he, here. Yeah, he missed for Inception. That's and right. And he missed a Dark Knight. So like, and, and even like to that same point, like there, I just saw footage of, uh, like Spielberg reacting to him missing uh, for Jaws director. But yeah, that's another great. Fun. That's another yeah, great example. Like, he was like, you get like all that, and it's just him reacting to everything. And he he said it himself. He was like something about like not liking like success or something. But and it's interesting because a lot of people that I've talked to this week, I've mentioned that, and they're like, oh well, what about Todd Phillips? I'm like, well, Joker is an anomaly because Joker is not presented as a comic <laughs> yeah. book movie. Joker <laughs> is a complete opposite of a of a quote unquote populist movie. It made a billion dollars, but That's that true. movie is not presented as that at all. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I I and also was very popular with the international body because it won the Golden Lion in in at Venice. So that movie was an anomaly. I was literally, <laughs> that was all stats out the window. And it's crazy. It's still. I mean, I don't think it's going to change. I think it's the only comic book movie to ever lead nominations at the Oscars. Uh, Joker it was, was right. Yeah, it, it had yeah. It had twelve and I thirteen. No, I think he had twelve, and then everything else had like eleven or so. The 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 other three that had multiple nominations. But uh, going to actress, as soon as I heard this woman's name, I, I was like, oh fuck me, something's yeah, we all, going we all on. Do this we do. Who's gone? Yeah. Uh, so Annette Benning, Lily Gladstone, Sandra Hewler, Carrie Mulligan, M. Stone. Uh, yeah, poor Margot. She 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 goes under the stats of making everything and a missing Oscar. Which is two Was that the only man. case of that this year? Uh, yeah, only one. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah uh, that missed. Yeah, yeah, I felt very bad, especially yeah, with what, like what they said, Benning. I was like, and then the fact when they said um whoever the I think Mulligan, I was like, there's no way that yeah, yeah. So I already knew by then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. That was a brutal, brutal, brutal. I've seen Nyad. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna have to. I didn't even bother reviewing it for the page. You should watch it. You should watch it, Jack. 
Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I mean, you have to now. Too. I, I think it's gonna, it got two, two <laughs> actings. I will say, I uh, with supporting actress, I do think like, um, Jodie Foster is actually pretty damn good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think she's Way very better. good. She deserves a nomination. I'm not even like, fr- not yeah. Even over. Annette Bening is just, I don't know, whatever, man. It uh, had been 14 years since she got nominated. Like, let's throw her a bone. She hasn't been nominated since the kids are all right. Yeah, and then yeah, pick- she has a she has a one. It's not like this going to change it. Like you should have got you should have fixed this in American Beauty twenty five oh years ago. And then uh, picture uh, ten for ten. Everyone everyone on planet Earth mostly went ten for ten. Congratulations! I'm probably the only time everyone will go ten for ten because this is this ain't happening again. Uh, and a pretty. Pretty incredible, pretty great lineup. Outside of like the, I don't hate any of these movies. Usually, there's one that I really dislike. I I think I'm, I I'm okay on American Fiction. I don't really like it that much, but I don't hate it. And then everything else, I'm at least this. Is, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, nine of the ten are in my top fifteen of the year. I don't think that's ever happened before. So, uh, but yeah, I think overall, I mean. Oppenheimer leads with 13. It's inevitable. It's like Thanos pretty much at this point. Just like it's inevitable. It's going to dominate more than everything in Roll I mean, I think at least it's going to get more uh, than what th- they did. I think everywhere got eight. I think it's going to land at eight. Eight to ten is where I think I'm. it's. I think oh, it's but, getting like se- oh, seven. I, I think it's so. like se- seven or eight, yo. So right now I have picture. Man, I, 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 was think, I was thinking about this. Like, man, we had like six years of like. Director and picture just completely splitting, and now we've returned to the classic Thank era of God. director picture. I hate. Lining up. I don't. I hate the split. I've always hated the split. I think if like, it's warranted, I I will accept. Like I'm trying to think. Like the most most obvious one that comes to mind off the top of the head is 1979, where Coppola should have won for Apocalypse Now director, <laughs> and then I mean, Kramer 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 should have won Best Picture, but if we're gonna split it, that's one that felt like, like oh, the guy perfect. the guy almost died making that movie and they made it the best <laughs> yeah i i i'll never get that one but um all in all i think oppie in, not final predictions are still not here but like right now picture director sound score cinematography editing supporting actor that's seven guarantee i think it has seven walking in the door it has a mm-hmm. chance to win adapted screenplay yeah it has if a chance to win lead actor and that would make it at nine. Nine. So that yeah. would be that would be the total there. So that would top everything everywhere. And I hate that they split the fucking sound categories because it could have tied the all time record. It would have made the <laughs> fucking shit, man. Man, I'm glad they didn't because predicting those back in the day was just a bloodbath. <laughs> you would get what I, I remember. There was one that I I'd put like one in one and a different in the other, and they'd be flipped. So it's just a. A big mess from the predictions. I, think, end, I, yeah, but... I, used, I used to predict just both. Most most of the time, I used to just predict the same five. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, it was that except for a few occasions. Winning was <laughs> the easy one. They usually just gave it to the same movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, those are the Oscar nominations. We're on a little break now. There's not really much happening for the next like three mm-hmm. weeks, and then SAG and I think DGA happens before the oscars luncheon so when they go to the oscars luncheon then you'll probably know who's that christopher nolan's winning director if they don't know already uh and that is everything for the news let's get into what we watched jack i'll start with you because you said you had a light week right yeah yeah i've been doing some gaming a lot of school stuff but still some time for some movies and stuff uh rewatch super eight for the first time in a few years that was a big 
movie in my early teen years has suffered some diminishing returns like the show that it reminds me of now stranger things whenever it's in like the military who yeah whatever i the engagement just goes out the window but when it's centered around the kids i think it's honestly one of the best like kind of coming of age movies of recent time um and i rewatched Spaceballs. uh diminishing returns right as you've gotten older yeah, yeah, which, yeah. which is a rarity that was with Mel me. Brooks, I will say. Like, like, I mean, granted, it's going up against Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein, uh, but there's still enough in there. Like, I hadn't seen it since Alien became like one of my like very all-time favorites, and like <laughs> that little bit became much more funny now. And even like the the third or the third wall breaking in this movie is immaculate. Um, I've been watching the new season of Rick and Morty, which obviously has a lot of notoriety with the recasting of one of its main actors with the two titular characters. And you tell if I really like try to, I can, but like and I'm, when I'm just like watching and just like thinking about what's going on and all that, it blends in enough to where it's not distracting. So okay. For two voices that I believe are pretty like specific, I think they did a pretty good job. Um, when I watched Mag- The Magnificent Seven for the first time, uh, that was one of those DVDs that's just been on my shelf for years that I never got around to. But I don't know why I didn't, because Yul Brynner, Steve McQueen, and Charles Bronson is a killer trio. And then you get Eli Walk as the fucking bad guy, like, perfect and it's just i i can't really talk about it's probably legal to talk about it without mentioning seven samurai which i also really like and i like them both for different reasons and then back to the best picture grind i got two for you this week dave what do you got watched all the king's men let's go pretty good yeah Uh, man good stuff yeah like 75 years old and Still pretty reminiscent, politically speaking, of just kind of how the environment is today. So, I'd be love to see that things don't change within 75 years. Uh, and then I believe the Pritchard the lead also won Best Actor, and I thought he was great too. But the one that I was most surprised with, Mrs. Miniver. That was pretty solid, right? William Wyler, I... Correct me if I'm wrong, because I tried Googling this, and I couldn't find a definitive answer, so I just kind of tried to figure it out for myself. I'm pretty sure he's directed the most Best Picture winners. He also has the most director nominations, William Wyler. I believe he has more the most. Than, Scorsese. Oh, really? I think he, he has 13. Scorsese has 10, which is crazy that he could yeah. that someone actually could get close to, mm-hmm. to, to Wyler. <laughs> he should have been. Remember, no taxi driver. Yeah, yeah, no taxi driver and others definitely but no he um i mean all three of his best picture winners of mrs miniver best years of our lives and ben-hur i mean i honestly think they're in the top half of my winners if i'm just saying so they're all great and while the best years of our lives is kind of like after the war i like that this is before the war and Mm -hmm. a lot of like the aspects that in other movies i've seen at the time kind of come off as like more propaganda-y. This one kind of just comes off as just, like, generally inspiring. Um, and I think his age is pretty well in 
it's not solely a product of its time while it still absolutely is in the same sense so yeah that too was another really big surprise and uh, pretty sure i'm gonna knock out cimarron next <laughs> i have i'm gonna rewatch I mean, cimarron you haven't seen yet right uh i saw it i i years ago i'm at one and a half <laughs> but I'm gonna rewatch it because I finally bought it because it's finally on Blu-ray. Uh, okay, so okay. I th- next week I actually am done. I have everything ready. I bought, oh, nice. I bought Cavalcade. <laughs> I bought <laughs> The Life of Emil, Zola, Zola, and the Grand, the Broadway Melody, and then I rented all the Kingsmen. So okay, okay. Uh, I should be. I'm done with my Best Picture winners next week and. I'm dreading. Cavalcade doesn't sound too bad, Jack. The premise doesn't sound too bad, but I know, I know. If Hunter is bored by it, I know I am like, yeah, man. I, <laughs> it just, yeah, it just be thinking about the the monkey movie that didn't have a single nomination that same year. I forgot. Yeah, that was thirty three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else, Jack? Uh, that was it. Yeah. All right, JC, what do you got? All right, I'll keep it light too, because I'm. I don't want to. Give me just give me one second. Okay. Um. So I saw Origin, which David hated. I know, and I understand the criticism. Oh my god! I guess maybe my my enjoyment enhanced because I I saw it on a Q and A with Ava. So like just seeing her explain the movie hit a little different. Um, I saw Selma because I was doing a little preparation for for her stuff. I saw Mad Dog and Glory, which. I enjoyed because it was fun to see Robert De Niro and um, Bill Murray play against the type where Bill Murray's like the the tough maf- mafioso and Robert De Niro is the, um, the wimpy cop. This is a solid movie for those who haven't seen it. Um, saw Kid Guys for the first time in like 10 years. Really enjoyed it. Forgot how graphic it is. Saw Paid in Full. Still love it. You know, like I Just being from New York, it just it hits a different level for me. For the I saw Blackula for the first time. It was, <laughs> it was okay. Like, like don't get me wrong. I, like, I could see why it was such a big deal. It was, it was cool. Like, I, I feel like it had a good balance of horror and like comedy. But I don't know, just like I, I've, I've seen better like black exploitation movies. But I understand why this was such a big deal. It was, like, it's an easy sell. Like, Black Dracula. That's it. <laughs> um, um, I saw Less Than Zero, which similar to like. Dave, it's just like that. It, it's crazy how once upon a time this could have felt like a Robert Downey Jr. biopic, you could mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Like, it, it's crazy to me that he took the role given all the issues he had at the time. Like, it's, it's very ballsy because you could, you know, like I would have, this is like, it's like when Ben Affleck did The Way Back, it's like he was just coming off rehab and to play alcoholic characters. It's a lot of, it's very, it's a ballsy thing to do as a as an actor, but great results. Um, I saw the original Thomas Crown Affair for the first time in like almost twenty years. Stephen Queen just, was just the epitome of cool. Like that guy. Like on the, it's it's when you see these movies of his, like like this Bullet, the Cincinnati Kid. You you can understand why he was such a movie star. Like he just had that it factor. Um, after Greta's snub, I like let me give let me watch Barbie. I usually try to watch all the Best Picture nominees before, before I give them a rewatch before the Oscars. So I started with Barbie, and last but not least, it's the one that I that I wanted to mention because I'm like I feel like I know Jack definitely hasn't seen it, 
but I, I, I'm like, it's such a, I feel like it'll be a Jack movie because it has three things that work for him. One is scored by Tangerine Dream. Okay. And two, it has a, as of High Noon and After Hours, which was two movies I know he loves. It's a movie, it's a teen movie called Three O'Clock High that I feel like is one of the most underrated teen movies of the 80s. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, basically it's a kid, the main, the main kid is named Jerry. He's a school reporter and he's asked to write a uh, like a report on the new uh, this new kid called Buddy that he has his reputation of being like he's being a kid at his old school and he gets in some temper interaction with the kid and the bully basically chatters into a fight after school at three o'clock and the kid is trying to find ways to get out of school or get the test oh that's oh, oh that's sick <laughs> yes yeah, so it has like it has like the high noon stuff where it's like he's he's kind of being a wuss to fight to like for the title fight uh-huh it has like it has like a lot of like crazy like camera angles like a lot of zoom is a lot of kinetic work which reminds you of like of like after hours where it's like the you know like our lead character right. he was trying to was it was like one miss of miss Miss misfortune after another, and then like I said, the Tangerine Dream score. I know you're just gonna love because I know you love them for risky business and oh, even yeah. a bunch of other stuff. So I'm just like, I'm like, I gotta mention it because I'm like, I feel like that's the way to sell Jack High Noon meets After Hours scored by Tangerine Dream. Yeah, that's that's a hell of a pitch. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, for me, actually, didn't have as much as I thought. Um, Brother Dave, have you ever seen Three O'clock High? No, I haven't, but I'm adding it to the list. Uh, I, I I was looking up. I was looking it up while you guys were talking about it. Uh, uh, is it streaming anywhere? No, it's not. No, but I think I think I uh, think I could find it. I could find yeah, it. I think it's available for like rental. Rental, right? yeah. I I love the poster. That's what sold me. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, oh yeah, and it's executive produced by Spielberg. If that helps. <laughs> Uh, righty. So for me, I didn't mention this last week, I think, but I saw this really bad Harrison Ford movie called Homis- Hollywood Homicide. And oh, for, God. That movie's oh, terrible. Jack, it's available to rent on Amazon for three ninety nine for just those listening. Uh, <clears throat> alrighty. So I saw Origin. I'd rather call it Borigin. Uh, <laughs> uh, that movie was... No, all respect. I love Ava DuVernay. That movie, I, I get it. I get that movie. <laughs> oh my god! If they would have put that movie, Jack, you 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 may be too young for this. That move, watching Origin reminded me of when I was in seventh grade, and it was like May twenty fifth, and right. we gave no more fucks left about the school year. And they bring oh. it, and they bring in the television, and they're like, we're gonna put <laughs> this movie on for you, and it's two and a half hours. <laughs> And it's origin. That's what origin is to me. It I, was I, a chore. I I was like, I don't even know. I don't know. I was just like, no, was I, not, I get it. It's not for me. I understand. Um, I always question Quentin Tarantino's taste because he's like an <laughs> odd. That. He's like an oddball. So his favorite Sylvester Stallone movie and Henry Winkler movie is The Lords of Flatbush. And it's finally streaming on Netflix. So I said, you know what? I want to watch The Lords of Flatbush. Holy <laughs> fuck, did this movie suck. I don't know what the fuck he's... Oh, like, it, but when you watch it, you'll be like, yeah, it fits. I can see why QT like really like, loved Wait, this what, movie. Wait, what like, year did this come 1974. That's a weird. That's a weird movie for Netflix to have, if I'm being honest. Like, it is, like it Netflix is. is like the one streaming service that like I go to, and I'm... 
I'm disappointed, not because like what they have is bad, but it's because like I've seen everything that they have. It's like Taxi Driver, Nightcrawler, and like all the like usual suspects essentially. And it I'm was, just like, man. yeah, you said that on Netflix. So it like, was, I, and I <laughs> saw it was only it's only 84 minutes, so I was like, oh, all right, I, this is easily three stars just because it's 84 minutes. And then I'm like watching, and it's just like, oh man, this is not it at all. <laughs> So the, Jack, it's because they're curating like they have like this thing where it's like they're trying to curate because because uh, the anniversaries of 1974, so that's why they got a bunch of 1974 movies. Like they got um Chinatown, so oh, they're wow. doing like some, they're doing like some TCM stuff. Like it was like some article drop where they was like trying to curate. So they have a specific a specific category which is 1974 movies. Wow, I I did not know that they're. You should go that see that. that. Just that, just that, go for it. go for it, Jack. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I saw Robot Dreams, which is it's you, you spoke very sensational. Highly. Absolutely loved it. I'm so happy it's in. I'm so so happy it's in. No chance of winning, obviously, but so happy it's in. No dialogue, but it's such a great story of a dog who has a friendship with this robot, and then he they go uh, this is kind of what the premise of the movie is they go to the beach they the movie opens they're just hanging out it's summer they go to the beach and he leaves the robot on the beach and the rest of the movie is them trying to get back to each other it was like finch oh but then something happens at the end they i i did tear up a little bit they better not kill the dog no 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 death nothing like that nothing like that um but i did i did tear up a little bit at the end it's and September is all over, Jack. Like you were at yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, animation style reminds me a lot of Family Guy and like Futurama and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I I loved it. Like I said, no dialogue whatsoever. But you kind of get the idea of what the movie's trying to say. Uh, and also, New York in the late '80s, early '90s is always like a vibe. So it's it's hard not to love it. Uh, no idea how you guys can see it. Um, I saw it through my neon box. I don't, it's not on theaters. I have no idea. So oh, I thought it was a Netflix movie. No, no. Uh, mm. Alrighty, then I went on. I have I collect Arrow movies. Uh, <laughs> so I I saw Donnie Darko, which fucking love. Have you ever seen Donnie Darko, Jack? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Wait, which cut is the the good one? The, it's uh, the, the original the, cut, right? The original. Yeah, cut. yeah, yeah. The director's cut it for idiots that don't like. Challenging themselves. Yeah, I was say, Shout I, out to certain individuals. If, if you asked me to explain it, I I probably couldn't because it's been a few. It's been a few years, but yeah, no, it's great. I saw you we, saw we talked about the uh, we talked about the Tears for Fears drop before. Oh, I love it. That yeah. I remember when I saw it in two because I saw that in two thousand. I saw Donnie Dark one, in oh one. I saw yeah. it in oh three. So I call it. I saw it after it came out, and yeah, dude, weird. like that. That first Tears for Fears Needer drop, I was like, ah, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to like this guy. Where is Shazam when I needed it back then? Because I had, like, huzzah. <laughs> and I'm, like, paying attention to the lyrics. I'm, like, writing as much as I can down and make sure I get that shit down. Um, I saw Southland Tales. I call. What did I? I... You, you had a. Your, your, your thing was pretty funny. Oh, I said Magnolia on Shrooms is what Southland Tales is. That movie's bananas, it's not Jack. Bad. It's I'm, not as bad as they say. It's not. It really isn't. I'm I, I'm at a solid three stars. It should have been at Cannes, but yeah. It's fucking wild, dude. And then the the, <laughs> the, the copy that I have, because the hour uh, release actually has the Cannes cut. So the, they actually have the one that they showed in Cannes, not the theatrical cut. Oh, um, I didn't know the different versions. Yeah, this one's a little longer. Uh, it's two and a half hours. It's batshit crazy. But so is Ma- 
But so is Magnolia. Magnolia is fucking nuts yeah, at the end of the yeah. movie. So, <laughs> but I saw. I went to see Right for Hunter. I'm like, has Hunter seen this? And he he's three and a half on this. I think so. Oh shit. <laughs> <clears throat> saw Twelve Monkeys. I always make the joke. I'm like, uh, Gilliam like predicted COVID with this movie apparently because this movie <laughs> is. It's. Have you seen Twelve Monkeys, Jack? Way like twenty. 20- 15 something like it's that. good stuff it's been I, a while i yeah, liked it yeah. uh the warriors fucking phenomenal shout out to helmer for fucking hating this movie i uh, hate uh, his letterbox uh, score on this movie <laughs> uh have uh, you seen the warriors jack have not uh i remember one of one of my ex-girlfriends like dad really loved this movie and he would always like talk about it but I, I never rocks. watched it after that but you you kind of compared it to, you kind of compared that to after hours too didn't you yeah you, you compared it to something okay I said uh, what I put uh, after hours gang edition. Oh, because <laughs> the mo- after hours home. with friends. Because all they want to do, all they want to do is get home, Jack. That's all they want to yeah. do. So the whole movie is them. <laughs> the, the whole movie is them having the gang meeting with all the gangs in the city. The gang lead, I, I guess, the main gang leader Cyrus gets killed, and everyone thinks it's the Warriors. So every gang, every stop on the train, they meet a new gang. Until they get home to Coney Island. <laughs> but the interesting thing is the, why it works is because if you live in this area, you know that Coney Island is literally the last stop on the train. So it actually makes sense. The movie's 90 minutes. It kind of makes sense that they run into trouble every single stop because it's so far to get to where they need to get. Uh, one of my favorite 70s movies. Uh, did some uh, Sundance watches, Real Pain, Jesse Eisenberg's second uh second film much better than his first movie i didn't know what it was about until they were they were talking in some episodes like it was like like holocaust related right not really they just they go uh they they're dealing with their grandmother's death and they go to poland to try to like i guess look at they go on a tour of poland uh they do go to a holocaust site but it's not really about that uh karen calkin's phenomenal phenomenal jesse eisenberg probably his best thing i've seen him in since social network in terms of performance wise uh yeah i think he i i remember saying when i saw his debut i'm like there's something there it's just not with this movie this one it has what i think he has a future as a director thelma is the movie (laughs) of the festival for me so picture this jack june squib is the lead in this movie Mm -hmm. she is basically ethan hunt this movie is basically her Mission Impossible. She gets I, scammed by a phone by someone on the phone, played by Malcolm McDowell, who is the villain of the movie. <laughs> yes. And she goes with um on a on a journey to get her money back on her scooter. So the Wonderful. beekeeper part two. What happened? The beekeeper part two then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, movie, movie rocked. Movie rocked. I really had a great time with it. And then finally, I saw Eighth Grade. Uh, it's uh, I still can't believe that movie didn't get nominated for original screenplay after winning WGA. Like it, it's just you're a fan, right, Jack? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it might be my favorite A twenty four movie. Thank you. I'm glad yeah. that I don't have to deal with the bias hate that JC has over here for this movie. I'm four stars. That's a five <laughs> star movie. It is perfect. <laughs> Now that I have a daughter, this is the first time I see this as having a kid. And man, 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 man. I, I don't think I ever told you. Did I t- my, the pop off I had when uh El- when uh Elsie Fisher popped up in Barry? I was so happy about that. <laughs> I thought she would like, and I love her. I think I've, I've, it sucks that like.
There hasn't been much roles for Fisher. I haven't seen outside of Texas yeah, Chainsaw Massacre. I haven't really yeah. seen. Yeah, uh, she has a movie with with um Adam Kim from from Minari that's shot like two years ago. I'm like, I've been waiting for it. It's like a dark comedy. That's probably bad. Mm-hmm. No, you know, it's just a smaller movie. Probably. I mean, I hope it's at least solid, but better than Texas Chainsaw. Um, and then I also saw Stand By Me. I hadn't seen it since I've only seen it twice. The second time I saw it, this time it hits. Like the first yeah, time I saw it, like there now I'm at four and a half, and I'm like, I get it. Like you know, it's yeah. funny because I just see like these kids literally like disregard the dead body that they're trying to find. But like the idea of like just hanging out during the summer as friends, like people don't do mm-hmm. that anymore. Like, and it's just it 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 reminded me a lot. And obviously, it's Stephen King. It reminded me of a lot of the first half of it. Like just friends sure, hanging out yeah. together. Um, so yeah, River Phoenix gone too soon. Uh, Agreed. And Days of Confused is a fucking banger for banger, banger, banger. Uh, and Perks of Being a Wallflower is still one of my favorite movies of the decade. Uh, and then I, my a friend of mine has a short that I saw. Uh, Shout out to a good friend of mine, Billy. Uh, her directorial debut, I Love You Guys. Her shorts should be out soon, I believe. I think on Valentine's Day. Uh, really solid work. I think she has quite the future. And the last one I saw was from Sundance called Dee Dee. Very much feels like A24 is going to scoop this up. It would be shocking if they're not the ones that buy this. Uh, to me, it's a better version of mid-90s. I don't like mid-90s at all. And I like I like this much much more. Uh, it takes place in 2008, and it has very much 2008 vibes. So I was pretty much into it, and I was been watching The Sopranos because we are here. We are covering the 25th anniversary of The Sopranos. Um, like we've said, we think it's one, if not the greatest show of all time. And before I get into the conception and production of the show, uh Jack. Original run, probably not, right? No, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I don't know the exact date off the top of my head, but I was either in, in a cradle or in my mother's belly when this show came out <laughs> because it came out in '99, and I too was born in 1999. So, but no, I saw it for the first time sophomore year of high school. Uh, its reputation had obviously preceded it by this point. I was a big fan of Godfather, Goodfellas, and you really couldn't read an article without something Sopranos related being mentioned. So I got around to it. I found the DVD of season one at Goodwill because this was back preceding HBO Max. And when HBO shows, unless you had the network, were pretty hard to come by. So I watched the first season, instantly loved it. It was some time before I came back to the whole show. It was 2019 i believe uh and then yeah i just fell in love with it from there on out uh it's not my favorite show but like you guys said i do think it is quite possibly the best and most important show um twin peaks came out before um and that i think too kind of in a similar line of like what i think for like the most important show kind of skewed it more towards like that cinematic direction that we now have today but there's still some like soap opera elements in Twin Peaks that were pretty funny. So this to me was like the real jump forward. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Twin Peaks because we're going to talk about Twin Peaks near the end of this episode. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah, no, it's just I think the cast is perfect. It's backed with a 
murderer's row of a writer's room. I'm sure we'll talk about those guys later on. Um, and yeah, just a lot of just a lot of memorable moments in a show where there's such like an overarching moment, an overarching like story. There's still like a lot of little things that are great about it too. So can't wait to talk about it. And JC original run, right? Yes. Um, not 99, but, uh, one of my older brothers, they must've gotten the DVD, probably the DVD when the first DVD came out for like season one or two. So I'll say I was like, probably like around like 2000, because I was definitely saw the whole runs. It was a big thing for me and my brothers. Like, I remember when the finale aired. I think me and Dave had talked about it. Like, on my end, like, Manny, I thought either my cable went out or, like, somebody must have sat on the control. And <laughs> like, you know, because remember, like, you know, like, it takes, mm-hmm. like, a second before, before it says directed by David Chase or whatever it pops up. First thing, but I was like, yo, you know, like, everybody was like, what the fuck? So no, yeah, I've original run. I've always loved it. It's, it's similar to Dave's situation with Lo- I Love Lucy. Seinfeld was my favorite show of all time, but I do feel that The Sopranos is the greatest show ever made, both in terms of just like acting, directing, the whole storytelling, how everything pieces together, and it's very is super influential. Like like Jack mentioned, like you couldn't read a, something about like the The Godfather. Or the Goodfellas, when I mentioned the influence it has on the Sopranos, and it's like that's what made that show such a a big deal. Like, is it was a TV show, but it was shot in a, such a cinematic way. Like, is it didn't feel like a TV show, especially now as you get old and you rewatch it, or you watch it for the first time, you see like a lot of people just appreciate what it did in, uh, 25 years ago, and that still holds up very well. Yeah, so same for me. I saw it on the original run, uh, season two is when i started the uh the dvd boxes were so eye-opening on the when they used to release because it used to be very brightly colored and yeah, used to I flap open um i got season two for christmas of 2000 and yeah 2000 and i actually went backwards then i saw season one after i saw season two because at that time i you know i was 13 i really didn't care i just wanted <laughs> so from season three on i saw live uh yeah jc said i i remember the show continue con- two things about the show that i remember that doesn't happen nowadays or maybe it does um the elongated wait from season three to four four to five five to six from five to six there was a two-year wait jack and it was contracts. A lot of it had to do with contracts and stuff like that because it just, I guess, Scandalfini and stuff were underpaid. Uh, mm-hmm. But the anticipation for this show just continually grew and grew. And just being from North Jersey, it was everyone's favorite show. Yeah. Like, no one disliked The Sopranos here. I think, and we can talk about the legacy later, I think this, outside of Godfather 1 and 2, this is even over Goodfellas. I think this is the best... The best depiction of the mafia of all time, like outside of the Godfather one and two, I think this kind of captures the life and the duality of the life, even in a way better than the Godfather does. Because yeah, uh, I was gonna say in terms of like how it depicts the mafia, I do think that kind of like glor like glorified like kind of take on it in the Godfather movies. I think Sopranos kind of 
alleviates it and is much more balanced with both sides. Yeah, so, I too. Yeah, right? there's definitely that argument. So in terms of production, David Chase worked as a television writer for 20 years before creating The Sopranos. He actually, uh, his directorial debut was in 1986 with Enough Rope for Two. An episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Oh, there. What do you know? <laughs> so the story of The Sopranos was initially conceived as a movie about a mobster in therapy having problems with his mother. They do end up getting that movie with a mobster in therapy. We analyze analyze this, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, he what happened? Same year, nineteen ninety nine. Oh, that is true. Yeah. Uh, oh wow. Yeah. He signed developmental deal in 95 with the production company Brillstein Gray and wrote the original pilot script. And he drew heavily from his personal life and his experiences growing up in New Jersey and has stated he tried to apply his own family dynamic to mobsters. For instance, the relationship between Tony and Livia is actually based on Chase's relationship with his own mother. Uh, He was also in uh, psychotherapy for a while and modeled Jennifer Melfi as under his own psychiatrist, which is pretty interesting uh he had been fascinated by the mafia from an early age witnessing people growing up within organized crime the series is partly inspired by richard boyardo a prominent new jersey organized crime family and uh was partly uh on new jersey's devil conte family uh chase and producer brad gray preach the sopranos to several networks Thank God it ended up on HBO because yeah. Fox was the Fox yeah Fox was one of the sh- networks that showed interest. It just, no, nope. Would it, <laughs> having to be like restricted to what we, what you can we could show on network TV would have. Oh, I thought I, I <laughs> you're right on that. You're a hundred percent right. But I was actually thinking way worse that this would have had to be twenty three episodes a season. <laughs> it probably would have only run like four, three four seasons then. Can you can you imagine how upset? So what? No ZD. Just nah, man. Normal line. That's like what it didn't make my 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 moment of the show, but it's always the elite moment of no. Hey, no. So what? No fucking ZD. Oh, it's so fucking good. Uh, eventually, the show was pitched to HBO, who decided to finance the pilot, which always I the pilot was shot in '97, series premiered in '99, and you could tell the difference from episode one and episode yeah. two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chase directed the pilot himself, and during this time. Chase had frustration because it took forever for them to greenlight the show itself. And he actually considered asking HBO for an additional funding to just shoot 45 more minutes to just make it a movie and call it a day. Um, The show eventually premiered on January 10, 1999, and the rest is history. Uh, Casting the show. uh, So we're all cinephiles here. So none of this is going to be shocking here. Many of the Sopranos actors are one from the New York area, all Italian-American, and the series has 27 actors in common with Goodfellas, uh, (laughs) including Lorraine Bracco, Michael Imperioli, and Tony Cicero. Let's not forget that our boy Uncle June was in Godfather Part 2. Johnny Ola. He's Johnny oh, Ola. Oh, that's right. <laughs> didn't know that yeah. oh, no, I, I didn't know that off the top of my head, but now oh, that you okay. say that, yeah, it's out, he's absolutely him. Yeah. <laughs> the Gandolfini was invited to audition after uh, casting director Susan Fitzgerald saw a short clip of his uh, performance in True Romance. Yeah, baby. Uh, Steven Van Zandt, 
who is best. <laughs> he what, was, what, a, what a poll this was. So <laughs> Chase was impressed with Van Zandt's humorous appearance after seeing him induct the Rascals into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 97 and invited him to audition. Everyone knows that Van Zandt is in Little Stevie in Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. So I love that it's still a New Jersey tie yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, never oh, wow, n- yeah. never acted before. He actually auditioned for Tony Soprano, but HBO wanted a more experienced actor. Um, and I th- think you guys know this. His wife on the show is actually his, is his actual wife. wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lorraine Bracco was actually offered and asked to play Carmella, but she declined because she wanted to play something a little different from it would, it would have been Goodfellas with her. Yeah. I think that was the reason, right? She yeah. Said? Yeah. She didn't want to play the same type yeah, of role. Would have been the same role. Like, this yeah. was, and we also got, we got to have Edie Falco. And we got a whole bunch of, guest appearances throughout the show. I didn't really write all of them down, but does anything stand out for you of the guest appearances? Speaking of Annette Benning. She has, oh, yeah. <laughs> she yeah. has that one that one episode. That, 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 hers is a pretty good one. I love Robert Patrick on this show. I like his arc oh, in season two. Oh yeah, that card episode. That's so good. <laughs> um I'm trying to think I'm mean, oh Fucking Frank Sinatra Jr. at the executive game. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> Michael K. Williams. Michael K. Williams. Like, Lawrence Taylor mm-hmm. was in the Mike Evans as, as uh, their LGBT character. Yeah, so this the show had an insane <laughs> amount. As we get as we move over to the Maestro's Corner, the reason there's a Maestro's Corner here is because I think the show on par with Goodfellas had some incredible music throughout the entire series, including what I consider. I think it's the greatest TV opening of all time. I never skip it. I never skip it. Never, ever skip it. Like, I think the song and just the idea, and I think uh, David Chase wanted purposely to have um, the goal of the title was to show that this particular mafia show was about New Jersey. So that's why he had him riding through New Jersey to the turnpike to, to, to his house. I think everything about this opening is just fucking baller uh jack you see your your mindset is racing when i said it's the greatest tv opening of all time <laughs> yeah because i had to think about what i what i could argue with for me personally because so i love twin peaks but this is like yeah, on another yeah, level no. I, I like i i don't skip this one either um but i'll yeah i think it might be it, it's i i mean HBO kind of just owns it because Succession's another one that's like right up there for me right now. Uh, yeah, it's always been good at that. And a short and sweet one, Mad Men too. Um, I really love. So it's just it's a stack. Uh, that's honestly like a top ten list. That's a lot harder for me than it probably is for most. Because I think for so- me, Sopranos is an undeniable like Mount Rushmore easily. For me, I think of obviously the credit, the title card being so important everything that happens during the sequence that but as a 90s kid all these 90s tv show with the great theme songs always come to mind too oh, but yeah. yeah this this takes the top um i don't know if you guys have this on the top of your head but my favorite use of music outside of this is in the end of season two um when it's oh my god i can't remember the song now uh through and through by I believe the Rolling Stones and it's just yeah. going through the event of the title card and the show. I think honestly I always say it's the only season that has a quote unquote happy ending because Meadows graduating, to- uh 
Chrissy just gets told that he's going to get made. And then the title, the, 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 the season ends with like a slow-mo pan into the living room and Tony's just smoking a cigar and you see the smoke coming out. I'm like, yeah, this is like, this is a fucking G show here. Uh, does any song, oh, and there's a Moby song in season six too. And obviously don't stop believing, but you know. Yeah. Cause after Glee, I, I hated that song for a while. <laughs> every, yeah, every, but every time I go, I was um, every was surprised. I'm like, yeah, this is this is why that song that song is just perfect because, like, the way that that is used for. I mean, we've seen it obviously, but those that have seen the show, just like the back and forth when you see Metal get into the place, the jumping back to Tony, is you know, it's like you think it's gonna be such a happy ending, and then you know, we'll get into it more when we talk about the ending. But like, you know, the ending has so much interpretation, so much theories. Like, it makes it's like. Is is a is a happy song per se because there is the family's having dinner together, but it's when you start thinking about the theories of possibly what that ending could mean, it also it also has some sadness to it. I hundred percent agree, Jack. Anything come? I I just googled to see like what could jog my memory and pop up. Um, the White Rabbit drop, uh, in season one with uh, what was it? Uh, I think it was Tony. I'm trying to see. Yeah, Tony in the ba- Tony in the bathroom with the white rabbit is up there for me. Nice. Obviously, don't stop believing. Uh, and then the stairway to heaven, or not stairway to heaven, uh, comfortably numb uh, in season six. Uh, but uh, Heidi or Kennedy versus Heidi, I think the episode the episode is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those are all just up there for me. Uh, yeah. But no, like you said, it's it's got the Goodfellas tie over of just having not only twenty seven actors, but just <laughs> absolutely undeniable collection of music. Absolutely, okay. uh, the location of the show. So the majority of the exterior scenes take uh, taking place in New Jersey were filmed on location, with the majority of the interior shots filmed at Silver Cup Studios in New York, including most of the indoor shots of the Sopranos residence, the back room of the strip club. And Dr. Melfi's office. The pork store was called Centenny's Meat Market in the pilot episode, an actual butchery in Elizabeth, New Jersey. After the series picked up, it was changed to Saccharelli's. Uh, after the series ended, the building was demolished because I, the only place of this goddamn show that I haven't been to. Uh, the strip club Bada Bing is called Satin Dolls. I pass by it all the time. It still has the Bada Bing on it, too. So, um, the, um, the house I've been to in West Caldwell, I have been to their house. I have been to, I've sat on their booth at the end of the the series finale. It actually still says this, this table saved the Soprano family. Um, the Vesuvio is a restaurant in Elizabeth called Manolo's. Uh, the... Uh, there's an Italian restaurant that also for the new Vesuvio Punta Dura located in Long Island City. I have not been to that because that's in Long Island City. Uh, and then, like I said, the ex- the exterior of the house is in. I would actually live there because of the location of the house is actually a nice area. But it's also kind of similar because I went to the Corleone compound a couple of weeks ago and mm-hmm. it's very private. So you could actually just go up the hill, take pictures, dip, no one bothers you, and then you're good to go. Uh, yeah, tro- trophy room. So this show... Won a lot of awards. <laughs> Emmys, right? Uh, it did win a lot of Emmys. So 90, uh, RT, ni- season 1, 98. Season 4, 94. Se- I mean, season 2, 94. Season 3, 
100, season 4, 92, season 5, 93, season 6, 89, and 84, which uh, I think 80, I think part 2 gets a little bit of a bad rap. I actually think that season, part 2 of season 6, I think is way better than people give it credit to. Um, and yeah, Sopranos is credited for creating a new genre of the mafia. It has been called the greatest pop culture masterpiece of its day by Variety. In 2002, the show ranked fifth on TV Guide's 50 greatest shows of all time, and that's before the show even ended. Um, in November 2009, the uh, television critics called the Sopranos the best series of the decade and all-time article summarized in decade in television. In 2013, TV Guide ranked The Sopranos the second greatest show of all time. In the same year, WGA named it the greatest written television show of all time. Emmy-wise, The Sopranos won and was nominated for many, many awards throughout his run. However, despite the fact it was nominated for Best Drama Series every single season it was on the air, and it became the first table cable TV show to receive the nomination. It didn't win until season four, and then it won every the rest. It won season oh, four, five, and say, six. I'm like, I'm like, I think we were gonna say that was the only one. I'm like, I'm like, damn, that shit didn't win more. No, it lost to actually make sense. What it won the first one, and then after like, it fit for the after? era. Oh, they lost three years in a row to the West Wing. So, yeah. 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 That yeah made... those, were, those were the Sorkin seasons. And that was the time that network television was just, like, winning everything. So, um... And Falcon won, like, three or four, right? What'd you say? Edie Falcon won, like, three or four Emmys, right? Uh, yeah, her and Gandolfini, mm-hmm. I think they won every year except, uh, I think the second to last one. I think they... That I actually don't have here. Um... It earned 21 nominations for Outstanding Writing and won the award six times, uh, with David Chase getting three. Sopranos won the AFI's Drama Series of of the Year Award in 2001. Uh, So here we go. So James Gandolfini and Eddie Falco were nominated six times, both winning three times. Um, The Sopranos is one of the only television shows that has one Emmy Award for acting in every eligible year except 2006-2007. Joey Pence won the Emmy for Supporting Actor in 2003. Imperioli and Dre DeMatteo won Emmys in 2004. Other lead actors who have received Emmy nominations include Lorraine Bracco, Dominique Chanice, Nancy Marchand, Ada Tuturo, Tim Daly, John Hurd, Annabella Sicoria, Steve Buscemi, who was also nominated for directing Pine Barrens. I'm not done. There's more wars coming. In 99-2000, Sopranos earned two consecutive George Foster Peabody Awards. Only two other series have won the award in consecutive years, Northern Exposure and The West Wing. It also won the Golden Globe for Drama Series in 2000. And in 2001, the American Psychoanalysis analytic association presented the producers and writers with an award for the artistic depiction of psychoanalysis and psychoanalytic psychotherapy and also presented Lorraine Bracco with an award for creating the most credible psychoanalyst ever to appear on television or cinema. All right. Get Bracco an Emmy though. I I can't believe she didn't win. I was saddened to read that. Yeah, I mean, it didn't help that like half the time she was up against Edie Falco. Yeah, uh, but even oh, when Edie she, wasn't lead. No, Edie was lead. Yeah, and 
No, but Bracco was in lead for the first like three seasons, and then she got moved to supporting. Oh, and then they, she just she, stopped. She, she stopped making it in like three of the two of the last three years, I think. She would have won uh, for the season three for the rape episode if she would have yeah. gone supporting. Yeah, I'm trying to see if there was somebody. Yeah, no, I was gonna say I think it would. They did not have. Oh wait, Ida Tur- Turturro was in that. So that would have been two, but she didn't even win. So she could have, you know. For sure. All right, let's get to our categories. We've we've compiled some fun categories here. But just in the spirit of the mafia, we have our black turtleneck guy. Is there a that guy of the, the Sopranos that sticks with you? A that guy? Nah, and the reason I put oh, Black oh, Turtleneck Guy too, the reason I, I combined Joe Spinell and Black Turtleneck Guy here is because that guy could just be one episode. Okay. Yeah, well well Joe Spinell is Steven Van Zant because like any time yeah, that is true. Bruce Springsteen, I'm like, it's fucking Sylvia. Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> uh but as for like a one episode I think it's Frank. I don't know why I go back to Frank Sinatra Jr. Yeah, I was going to say, probably somebody from the executive game. <laughs> I'm glad that you, because I'm going to mention that when we talk about episode, because I it's I love, adore this show, but that's the f- best, my one of my favorites to do nothing episodes. That really has no sure, point yeah, of being, yeah, yeah. no real, like, stakes in terms of the long-term story of the show but i i love it so much <laughs> yeah. um what about you jc anyone like anytime i see him i just just always think about him with that show like every other actor i have like few roles that i could think of but when bacalao that's really all i think yeah of. and line delivery on the show is always fucking hilarious especially <laughs> like a, season two when tony's like and i want you to bring that fat fuck bacala. <laughs> and it's just Tony's delivery is always really funny. Uh, all right, so let's do it this way. So we have top five favorite episodes, top five characters, top five worst characters, top five moments, the Gumads, and I didn't include that. The we can include. Uh, I've ranked the seasons, and then you can just piggyback off me on that. Uh, all right, let's just actually start with our episodes because uh, these can get. I think these can get a little boring because we might have. Share similar here. I'll do that one last. <laughs> you want to do that last? Yeah, because like finish up with like talking okay. about that. Okay. All right. Then we'll yeah. Do... All right. We'll do. <laughs> Let's start with the Gumas. All right. So Tony Tony <laughs> fucked a lot of people here. So <laughs> I didn't put every single woman he fucked because that's yeah, not. Yeah, somewhere like just straight up one night stands. So... Yeah, I was going to say some we have like no information on. So. So I think. So I. We have three. That's where I end up three. Okay, with okay. a fourth that I kind of include because she had more than one episode, and who knows if they five. fucked again? You have five. Okay, cool. So okay. I'll I'll run through mine. Uh, so Svetlana. Yep. Like she's a yeah. G. She's yeah. my number four, but she's a G. I had to put her at four. She's literally responsible for for the freaking for the blowout. Blow yeah. <laughs> uh, I never know how to pronounce her name. Is it Erna or Arena? I, I thought it was Irina. Irina. Irina, Irina. So she's my three because she's the OG. So she goes yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. The reason I, that's exactly what I have. She's the originator. Yeah. Number two is Valentina. For okay, me. Okay. I feel so bad for her. 
Yeah, she gets the short end of the stick. And number one is fucking Gloria Trillo. She's a fucking G. Like, I love every everything point. she did. Even the fact that she throws a steak at his head, which is a very... It looks like <laughs> a really good steak. That's a waste of a good steak. That looks like a really good steak. Um, yeah, I... I love Gloria Trello. I really hate how she ended like with when you find out what happens to her in season four but I th- she's my favorite of the Gumas like yeah like when you mentioned she got out for an Emmy it made me happy because I've always loved Annabelle Shiora because like the hand that rocks the cradle and a, like a few other movies that I really like her and so when you told me she got out for an Emmy for that that made me happy I yeah I like I like her a lot on the show what about you Jack what do you got here uh yeah I I had four so four I had Irina pretty much the same thing uh OG Three, damn! I'm sorry. This is where I had Gloria at. Oh, no! <laughs> but I, I, I do completely see the the logic there behind that placement. Uh, <laughs> number two, I had I had Sonia. Honestly, talk uh, Dion Waiters. Who? Like, what ep- Sonia, uh, 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 Christopher's ex that he that he smashes. Oh, yeah. Yes, I like, forgot. Like yeah, in one, yeah, Like yeah. in one episode. Yes. Yeah, but, uh, Memorable fucking episode of that, and then number one, I had Svetlana just because the, the whole <laughs> everything that that leads to, and just how like unbothered she, she is. Uh, yeah, I, I freaking love her, and obviously, with everything it goes into. So, what about you, JC? I have um, who's your like, who's I your like fifth? Bag. You said you have five, right? Well, I have six, but because like five actual Gumas, and then Sonya, because it's like she, she's it's a one night stand, but I, I okay, I okay, her. yeah. That I have um Juliana, I'm played by Juliana Margolas. Like oh really yeah, yeah. Like I like I, I the surprise of the show that could make uh, such a damaged character be intriguing just because the way they interact with Tony. Uh, then I have Svetlana because like I said, the big blowout Valentina. I said I feel bad for her every time I'm in the kitchen. I always try to look for things that nothing's like no even no even little napkin or anything like that because that that scene just scarred me. Irina, Irina, Iran, how we say it, like said she's the original one, and then um, Gloria just because just the performance is just such a fast, it's so fascinating the way she interacts with um Tony's James Gandolfini. Also, uh, Valentina loses points because when she introduces herself and she's like, she says she's Cuban, she's like Cubana. I'm like, that's no, 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 I'm I'm alright. That's not it. That's not it at all. That's the break. You got uh, freaking Tony Montana's horrible accent and that. Seriously. All right. Let's do characters here. So I'm going to save worse for last because I think that'll be more fun. Because favorites, I think it's going to be kind of like a little obvious. Yeah. So uh, for five, uh, five through one for me. So I couldn't really pick. Chrissy completely drops the ball. He was one of my favorites. So he, he just missed the cut. Because I think by the, where he ends up, I by season four I was fucking done with him. I was like completely mm-hmm, done mm-hmm. with him. Um, honestly, fighting for the fifth spot, I have Paulie and Furio, but Paulie takes it because Paulie's fucking hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. he is just so so funny. Uh, number four, I have Sill. I just have a soft spot for Sill. I think he's a good consigliere. He doesn't overstep his welcome. He kind of has a Tom Hagen moment in season six where he becomes the boss for a little bit. And mm-hmm. uh, I really like that he at least had that shot. Uh, number three, top three is fucking obvious. Number three for me is Melfi. It's like so, so her dynamic with Tony is top notch. And I really do love that they never made them what everyone would have expected them to yeah. make them. Uh, number two is Carmela. Anyone that, anyone that, sh- that, 
knocks me for hating Skyler. Um, look how look what a good fucking TV wife is right here, Carmela Soprano. Jack is like, no, no, <laughs> no. I was gonna say, I, I mean, I'm with you on that second part. <laughs> I, I, I was also never, I was never really in the Skyler White hate camp. So. I hate Skyler White. I hate her so much. She's, <laughs> she's, much hate. I, I, she does get too much hate. There, there are other characters in that show I find far. She's more just so fucking obnoxious from episode <laughs> one to the fucking end of this show. Carmela Soprano has all the right to feel the way she feels, and she's a fucking G about it, and doesn't fucking bitch and moan about every... Man, Skylar bitches and moan about a fucking chemistry teacher. Hey, Can you imagine her? I know. All right. All right I'll, get, I'll stop. And the number one's obviously Tony Soprano. I think yeah. Tony's the Most greatest... obvious number one, I think, in any show. Yeah, I think Tony Soprano's the greatest television character of all time. Even more than Walter White. I think Tony Soprano is... Because I, I think Tony Soprano, at least for me, like... Um, yeah, Walter, because Walter is my number two, but like he has the, you know, Mr. Chips, like from good to bad, but Tony's bad throughout, but you can always root for him because they're deep down. I think there's like a love that he has for his family and he wants to do right. But yeah, that's my five. Jack, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, you pretty much said it, but our top fives are going to be pretty similar. My, my big honorable mention, uh, Chris, Chrissy's down there too, but Adriana actually was the one okay. who, was just, yep. who was just on the outside of, uh, out of the top five. Uh, my number five is Silvio. Yeah. Yes. Uh, really came around to him later on. And at this point for me, he just owns the, as soon as I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Yeah. He just owns yeah. that line. Got it. Got at this point. it. I, I think of him now more than Al Pacino. The only <laughs> nitpick I have of that show is the Soprano family thinking that he actually does a good Pacino. Okay. <laughs> uh, my number, my number four, Polly. The only thing I have written here is <laughs> that that laugh, that laugh of his. Like I could just listen to that on repeat. And, I just love man. him when he's like, "What do you hear? What do you say?" And then, and every time he's at a restaurant, he's like. But the, just, David, what was what was the commercial that that he used to be in back in the day? That he used to always be in wrestling, like snack. Well, for the energy remember. drink, I can't remember. Something like something too is like the energy drink, the little one. Fuck. The the the, be, the best the best thing he does is all is always reaffirming his joke with Tony. Hey Tony, you hear what I said? I told him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three, Melfi. Yeah, like pretty much what you said, Dave. Uh, just a very different character and one that you really begin to feel for as the show goes on. And one that I feel like, I feel like when one goes in, they might feel like that could be like, Oh, taking away from like the whole mafia thing. But it really turns out to be like some of the most like engaging shit in the show. Number two, Carmela, Edie Falco, Bravo, all three Emmys deserved. And then Tony, number one, like, it's just unfair. <laughs> uh, what about you, JC? Okay, um, so shout out to Furio and Bacalao who didn't deserve his ending. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, number five. I mean, I pretty much got the same list as Jack. Um, number five, Silvio. Like, it's a great character. I love how, like Dave mentioned, like season six, when I got to meet the boss a bit. Number four, Melfi, just a well-written character that could have just, in most shows, a, a therapist character could have just been a 
afterthought, but she managed to make it. I mean, granted, it's also because of the writing, but her she gave a great performance. The, the everything about the rape was just like showed, like okay, like this is you know, like it gave her like an arc that's just more than just being in the therapies with with Tony. Uh, number three, Carmela, just a strong female character. Like a lot of what, like I don't hate Skyler like David, but but I do agree in the sense like a lot of a lot of um wife characters in these type of shows tend to just be like afterthoughts and just really don't get much arcs and like Carmela has a lot of great arcs which I'll bring up in favorite episodes for one of one and like mm-hmm. uh number two Paulie I just I I just love him like he's just a steam stealer like everything Jack but everything Dave mentioned and it just you know, it just he was such a familiar person for me as, as a fan of mom movies and Woody Allen movies so it's just like he's such a great character and I love that he finally he got his moment with the show and then Number one, the most obvious number one in any show, honestly, Tony Soprano, played by Jan, the great, great James Calafini. Yes, that was easy. That was yeah, too that was, easy. Yeah. <laughs> category. I didn't even have to really think about it too much. I actually think worse would just be like the same thing. I think it may be easy. I, I think, I, I, I think I th- orders or the orders might differ, but I think we'll, we'll probably have a lot of the same names. Yeah. Here. So when I meant like when I put like who we the fo- five worst, I'm pretty much meant who we hate not like yeah, 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 yeah. so i ralphie's not in here because actually ralphie's hilarious man to he's too funny <laughs> um oh he's funny but he's a piece of shit but yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, I have him in my list but i i hate five more people more than than him okay so okay. number five is jackie jr i oh, fucking hate I him. okay okay I, what happened <laughs> I thought I was going to be the only one nah, that had man, him. I fucking hate that kid. <laughs> I, this rewatch. Like, it's just like he does everything wrong. Everything wrong. You have the boss of the family looking out for you and telling you, you like, cheat just, on his daughter. And you cheat on, you cheat on Tony <laughs> Soprano's daughter. And it's like, what are you, what the fuck are you doing? Um, number four, I always hated him, but this rewatch has kind of made it worse. Season two, Richie Aprile. I hate, hate Richie Aprile. Man. Um, I do love that the show just takes what we think is going to happen and just turns it upside down with the way he ends. I do love that episode specifically. For I, that. I mentioned that. Uh, number three is Phil Leotardo, our big bad to end the show. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he pretty much kills, has my guy Sill basically killed and then Bacala killed and who knows what happens on the end of the show that we'll talk about later. Uh, Number two are both Soprano family members. Oh, uh, <laughs> I have the same time. Yeah, just maybe the order might be different. Oh, number two is AJ. Like AJ is the fucking <laughs> worst man. That... Oh, now where you were you going? Nah, no. Soprano family members at the time. Oh, I love Meadow. I'm a big Meadow no, fan. No, no. Oh no, no, I love Meadow too. Oh no, June. Oh no, I love Uncle June. No, no, no. There's another. Oh, Soprano oh yeah, I know where your number one is, Dave. Oh, you know where my number one is. There's yep, like, yep, yep, like, yep, yep, yep. But yeah, AJ. I feel bad for him towards the end of the show. Yeah. But season three, four, five, and the beginning of six is just oh, just, just <laughs> unbearable. Like, after he peaked with So What, No Fucking ZD, he just completely fell off. <laughs> like, there's nothing. He offers nothing the rest of the show. And number one is fucking Janice. She's, like, the worst. She's, like, one of my most hated TV characters, like, of all time. She's And she ruins Bobby Bacala's life, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Ghost gaslight something about his wife's death. Yeah, man, he is, she is the worst. But yeah, those are my five. Jack, what do you got? All right, my number five. 
is Jackie Jr. Yes! Oh, Dave, you, you are not alone whatsoever. Yes, uh, this kid sucks. My number four is Janice Soprano. Oh, uh, she's four. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 it, she, she makes her entertaining character, so I, I went a little bit nicer on her. Uh, for the same reason as my number three, who is without question the worst character on this list, and that's Ralphie Soprano. Uh a Joey Pants man, like, uh, here, uh, learning that he, not only was he nominated, but he won supporting and not just, like, <laughs> guess that made me so happy because he is one of the, I I, met, I wrote this in my notes, but just, like, so many great, like, bit parts and just, well, not necessarily bit parts, but just, like, characters who are only in, like, one season or maybe less, and he's one of the best. Uh, number two is Leotardo. Frank, getting Frank Vincent, man. Yeah. Uh, was, like, and giving him, like, the the room to breathe. Because, like, you know, Goodfellas, he gets, what, like, a few minutes of screen time to, like, be the asshole, and then he's gone. Uh, so a lot of, giving him the time to really marinate and just really show, like, what a dick he can be is great. And then number one, fucking Richie Aprile. Yeah, this guy just annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> like he literally, like he, I'm pretty sure the day he got out of jail, he was already like just like causing shit again. He burns over like, easy. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like this guy, and him getting, I, 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 I'm not sure if we have a mo or no, we do have a moments list, yeah. but there's one mo the the, the end of him. Also helped Janice rise on my list. So. Now, yep, yep, I get you. <laughs> yeah, I one one of the great, if not the great, twist moment in the show. Because man, that's a hell of a moment. Alrighty, so at least we have a. No one had AJ, right? J- no, JC, no. tell me you have AJ. I I did have him, but oh my when God. you mentioned that, I did I did put him and I took out Ralphie. Okay. Because okay. Ralphie, remember, he freaking beats Tracy to death. Like, bro, like, he like he overdoes it and, and she was pregnant with his kid. And he killed Pyle. That's a bit much. And then also, sh- special shout out to Phil Latardo, who I hate and I loved his his ending was perfect. Oh, me too. I love with, the, with his head getting popped. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. My number five is uh, Jackie April Jr. Similar to what you said, like, he cheats on Meadow and he's just a wannabe tough guy, like, just trying to live up to his father's <laughs> legacy. I hate characters like that who aren't really tough and trying to act tough like that. Number four, I have AJ. Like, everything Dave mentioned, like, that kid was annoying. Like, his death scene, like, I love how Tony reacts. So, like, you know, like, freaking stupid. <laughs> um, he's, just, he's just a crybaby and everything like that. Um, number three, Richard Prayer. Like I said, he runs over Beansy. Like, and I, I have a special connection to Beansy because, because the character, the actor that plays him is an entourage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he is Janice and everything. Like, it's just... Very violent person. This is, this is very super annoying and stubborn. Uh, number two is Livia. Like she wants. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, no, she's just too entertaining. Like I, 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 like later in this, like when when like the switch turns and you see that it's more or less like a bit. That's when it really like sucks. But when she's being like, I like I don't drive when they're predicting rain. Like, <laughs> so many of her line deliveries are just immaculate. So yeah, like to me, I couldn't like, bring funny. myself to that. She wanted to kill uh, freaking Tony and all those conspiracy <laughs> stuff she does with Uncle June. 
And then imagine if she hadn't died, like who knows how much more we would have hated her, you know, because obviously we probably would have been in the whole series. If yeah, she season died. three was all about her and like the plane tickets. So yeah, that- mm-hmm. I feel like we might she could have even been number one, but you know, two seasons she like this is the fact that she wanted to kill her own son is always probably the wrong way, even if your son is who he was. And then number one with a bullet is Janice. Yeah, Janice. Like, like I said, she like she's a shrew. She's super annoying. Like the, everything I saw about, she's trying to gaslight Bobby about the death of his wife. Like she only, she's very selfish. She only cares about herself. She freaking literally blackmails, blackmails a, a disability worker. Like it's just, I don't know, just. But but like Jack said, like what she does to Richie does give her a little boost. But then you have her for five seasons of just super. <laughs> she just doesn't go away. That's the problem. Yeah, if, yeah. If, she... if, like I said, if it would have been like Livia, that she was just like a two, three season character, it might have been like that. But it's the fact that we had to deal with her pretty much for the whole rest oh. of the show. And then we just so much stuff. It wasn't like she got better or like more, more easy to like as the later seasons. It would have been easier to overcome the what she did in the first two, three seasons, but nah. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree there. Uh and then moving on to our top five moments on the show. Um, so these are actually a little tougher. <laughs> Uh, so well, you 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 been rewatching. So it's a little thing with me. I, I I obviously I'll probably have a little different, but I just want one more like ones that popped up. No, it, despite me watching it, I do think these are pretty uh standard. So I couldn't really decide between for number five. So I did want to shout out obviously Melfi's rape. That's like a big moment on the show. Uh, Tony's first on-screen kill because we never really had a lead character of a television show do that at the time in the college episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when he first hears the tapes, uh, Tony first hears the tapes of his mom basically plotting to kill him with June. But no, number four, it always makes me sad, even though I know it's coming. Pussy's demise when they okay. I'm not the only one that has like it. I really yeah. feel bad for him. Uh, <laughs> Because you never, we never really find out why he does what he does. We just mm-hmm. get assumptions. I just really feel bad for him and on the boat. <laughs> uh, but I do feel bad for everybody because you can tell they don't want to do what they needed to do there. So, uh, no, friends. Number three, I just saw it today on my rewatch, uh, and it continues to be fucking brutal. Uh, Adriana's death. That <sighs> just like. Starting from when Chrissy's like ch- trying to he's almost killing her, he's like, "How can you fucking do this to us?" And then just leading to the that scene, Pretty which good. I'm so glad they didn't show her getting killed because I love the character. So I was really, yeah. I'm sad she went, but I'm glad they didn't show her go because I, I think that character deserved that kind of respect in terms of on screen death. Which in retrospect kind of talks about the next scene, which is the diner scene, the end of the show, uh, yeah. because we can take. You know, we'll talk about that in a, in like literally like five minutes. But um, yeah, I I love that whole sequence to end the show. It's obviously we talked about the ending and turning to black. It's one of the greatest moments, most important moments on the show. And finally, for me, and especially because I saw it earlier last week, the blowout between Tony and Carm like that yeah. that is like acting, act fucking thing. Like give those two Oscars, not just Emmys, <laughs> like fucking probably the best thing you saw in 2004 was those two in that scene with fury when they talked about furio and stuff so that's my five uh jack what do you got uh my number five is tony's first pass out uh in the pilot episode oh, okay uh, with the ducks yes uh, honestly just kind of 
a lot of that like home life stuff in that first episode I really like just because it's a good kind of segue into that second part of the life that you don't really see a lot in the mom movies that that came before it but still great uh my number four is also the death of big pussy oh uh, yeah and, and yeah i think just that like you were saying just the build-up of them not wanting to do it but just knowing that like they're probably gonna do it until they, it happens is just some great tension uh number three I have Janice killing Richie. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I'm, banger I'm of a twist really moment. Fine. Completely out of left field, but it's in the family blood, I suppose. Uh, number two, the death of Adriana. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad we all have that. Yeah. Man, yeah, no, I I feel so bad for her character. And I, I when I was doing just like my research looking for it, I came across one article that pissed me off so much because it was just like, oh, she deserved it. Rat. And I'm just like, man, like media literacy score of zero. <laughs> like, come on. I don't think uh, and like rewatching now, like it's it's just very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? selfish act on the FBI to bring literally an innocent bystander. She has no, mm-hmm. f- like, yeah, she's she's marrying Chrissy. That's fine. She knows who she's marrying, but she's not involved. It's like them bringing Carmela in. Like, you know, yeah. like she, her her involvement is, was always like, oh, man, really? Like, we know where this is going to end. So, yeah, I'm with you there. And the number one, Tony and Carmela have it out. I mean, they both got Emmys for that episode. Yep. As they as they should have, and more beyond that. What about you, JC? Okay, my number five is literally just because it is to this day it cracks me up. But Davis kind of you know getting slapped by Tony Robert Patrick's face when when he's like Tony, <laughs> yo, it always <laughs> watch like just like I think every time I rewatch it, I always put on my story. I just have to include it because it's just a funny scene. Um, Chris's Chris's intervention because I like. I like towards the end, like when in the hospital, how Tony tells him like you're only alive because your family, and like once you see the whole show, seeing how like Chrissy's demises is like kind of it makes the, it his it makes that scene it, it, like more powerful. How by that point Tony didn't care that he was family, yeah, was, like he has to go. Number three, pussy getting whacked, like it's just a heartbreaking scene because like you know it's like they, they they like you guys mentioned like he did it, they didn't want to do it, but you know in that situation like when you in that lifestyle like. Like, yeah, your friends and like that, but, it's, you know, like, at the end of the day, like, you got to look out for yourself. Number two is Adriana's mur- murder. Like, I always, like, it always hits me so much when she realizes she's going to get killed. Like, to me, that scene out of anything was what won her the Emmy that season. Yeah, I agree. That, that mm. was incredible acting. Like, you feel for her because we already know that's going to happen because we're, we're just watching the show. But when she realizes it, psh, oh, man, incredible acting. Um, And then number one is Richie being killed just because... Just the fact that it was so unexpected, like you knew he was gonna die, like it was just a matter of not like mm-hmm. when, but the fact that it wasn't it wasn't the, the soprano that we thought was gonna be that was gonna make it, it just such an unpredictable and such a flex. Oh, and so like, you don't ha- you don't have Tony and oh well, Carm yeah. on your five? No, I, like I love it, but I was trying to go. <laughs> every I was gonna game. say that remember, that is like white caps the episode. <laughs> yeah, so that's fair. Yeah. But you guys both mentioned it too. So yeah, like, no. That, that, 
I'm, I'm mentioning it in, in when we talk about best episodes. So don't but worry. that's that's a good that's a good which one. which yeah. is a great segue because now we do our favorite episodes here. Uh, I'm gonna give some honorable mentions because I need to. Uh, I dream yeah, of genie. Well, you said five. I thought you were gonna do like ten because I remember when we did the Twin Peaks episode. We did ten. ten. So I was like, like Sopranos. He was definitely gonna have more than five. Uh, do, do you have ten? No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying I was surprised that you didn't say, like, best 10 episodes because this is a show we literally could have done. Like, a I still story. I still did 10, so <laughs> I'll, I'll do five honorable mentions. I Dream of Jeannie Cusimano, which is the season yeah. finale of one. The Knight in White Set and Armor, you guys already talked about the moment in that episode. Mm-hmm. Number eight is The Happy Wanderer, which is the executive game from season two. I absolutely adore <laughs> yeah. that episode. It's just everything yeah. about that just always, always, always hits. Number seven is Funhouse. We talked about that is the okay. finale yes, uh, yeah. of of two. <clears throat> Number six, I've oh, th- see. I think this and you forgive me for i know this is going to be higher on both your lists uh, I, I, th- I think this episode is excellent I I but i don't think yep. this when i'm talking about low stakes this episode has no stakes zero <laughs> stakes it's still hilarious I, I still think it's funny but pine barrens is like it's six for me i think it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's still <laughs> very good but it's like in terms of like is it a better you know throwaway episode than the happy wanderer yeah obviously because it's my six but i don't think in terms of what is coming i i don't think you know it tops that number five is long-term parking which is everything everything leading to adriana's death at the end number four i have the pilot because i think this okay. is okay. i think this is this and twin peaks are probably my two favorite pilots of all time um yeah, twin peaks is my number one though because it's, it's such a it, it could it works so much as his own movie too number yeah. f- number three is a combo because I like cheating. Uh, so the blue comet made in America. So the penultimate and the finale. Those two together. Just give me those two. Uh, number two is college. I've always yeah. been a huge fan of yeah. that episode. Just, be- about this a lot. Uh, just because of the segue of this is the first time we see Tony do kill someone on screen. And then he's, suppo- he's basically blending being a father with being the Don in one episode and then number one is white caps like yeah. yeah like that's like a all-timer uh what do you got jack all right uh i i just said five down but two honorable mentions i'll throw out i'll throw out the pilot too um uh, i thought about putting that on there but i wanted to go elsewhere but yeah just a perfect kind of segue into the show in the world that gets you used to the main characters and then i really like irregular around the margins that's the uh episode in season five i believe it's the one like tony i'm that's the tony and uh tony why am i blanking tony and adriana get in the wreck in that episode if i'm correct and that's the whole episode that they get chrissy to think that they're like messing around but (laughs) my number five is fun house yes yeah yeah we've talked about um that great finale and the rest of the episode is great too okay number four <laughs> is white caps okay and this is and this is simply just out more on my enjoyment spectrum this is probably the most important episode in the show it's the one that like four seasons of plot have built up to uh and yeah like i said those who won emmys rightfully deserved it and even the the side plot, what was it? The invest, like Tony with the investment, that's pretty funny too. That's a nice little break from 
all the drama. Mm-hmm. Number three, Dave is college. I'm there yeah, with you. That I episode love that. bangs. Uh, and even the, I, I I don't remember the B plot that much. That's I think uh, Chrissy and Tony doing. On college, no. The B plot was. Just, is, is, is it just it was them Carmella, out? Carmella and the priest. Oh, fucking. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, has, it has, <laughs> has the great final line. Like your your therapist called Jennifer, and then he just walks away. Like oh flooding. yeah. Like see his face. Calm, calm, calm. <laughs> uh, my number two is Pine Barrens. That, I get it. it. Is a, I get it. it it's me. it's I a standalone, it. but there man, like I I I could be like nowhere near like in the mood for like a Sopranos rewatch and I'll just drop yep. in and check out Pine Barrens. Uh, and it gets bonus points for being a Steve Buscemi directed yeah. episode, which hearing that I was like, I, I didn't even realize he did that before he was on the show. I always forget that part too. Uh, and then number one, I have long-term parking. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. Like, nope. like white, white caps again is like probably the most like, I'm not like climactic, I, but it's like the one where like the most lines in the story like we're pointing to. But this is just like the most devastating plot point for me by far. And yeah, I'm so happy that uh, she won her Emmy for this episode. And I can't remember if uh, I can't remember if Imperioli if he submitted this to. Yeah, they both uh, won for did? the oh, same episode. Okay, yeah. okay, good, good, good. I I, I couldn't find that information, but. Yeah, no. The I, like you said, there's like ten or fifteen here that deserve mentioning. All right, JC, what do you got? A special shout out for the pilot. Obviously, like I said like similar to David. I'm like Twin Peaks is definitely my favorite pilot. But if I had to think about it, The Sopranos probably has my second favorite. It just like set up everything that we would come to see in the show. It just revolutionized TV. Uh, number number five, similar to Jack, Funhouse. So we've talked about it a lot. It's the episode that Big Pussy gets killed. And I just love, like, it's a great conclusion to, like, that storyline of, like, because, you know, like I said, we were watching the show, so we knew that Pussy was an informant for a while. It's similar to, like, in Twin Peaks, where we, when we find out that, you know, who 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 Bob is possessing, that we have to wait, like, two more episodes until, until the characters find out. Like, that's always great storytelling. Number four, Made in America, which is the finale. Like, I mentioned, okay. it's just, I just love all the theories that it, that people have about the finale, like, whether Tony lived or not. Like, it's just, it's just a great episodes that dissect and, and like really read upon Phil Tartar gets killed and just his wife cars crushing his head like it's just like, such a great way to see him end number three white caps like we've spoken about it just it's just an acting master class between Tony and um between car car I'm sorry Eddie Falco and James Gandolfini it's just like you could tell their chemistry was good like this there's already four four seasons and like they just knew how to work off each other so well they just elevated each other Number two, um, Pine Barrens. I, I get Davis. David was. It is like a throwaway episode, but I just, it's just a fun one. Like Jack, I. There's been times where I'm not even doing my Tor Sopranos rewatch, and I'll just put it on because it's just fun. Like some of my favorite scenes of the whole show is just Paul, uh, Paulie and, and Chrissy just together. <laughs> they always work off each other so well. So the fact that the episode is all about them, and I love like the supernatural tones of it with how. We, we don't really know. It's like we see when when the when the Russian gets gets shot in the head, but we don't really see him. Like it's always like I love I love the themes of that. And like I said, Jack mentioned I love that Buscemi directed it, which probably opened the door to him to join the show as a cast member, which mm-hmm. I think will be the following season, if I'm not mistaken. And then number one is college, which like I okay. yeah, yeah, I love that. 
Good yeah, stuff. Dave mentioned that. It, like, I, I knew, I remember that was Tony's first kill, but I didn't know that was like the first time like a main character killed a character. And then I, I just love how that show it revolves a lot around the family, and it shows like, yeah, while we love the supporting characters, like at the end of the day, the family itself is what anchors the show. And I love that it's just Tony. I love everything about like that was like the first time also that um, Meadow asks Tony, "Are you part of the mafia?" And I love the way I love how that scene is so written and how he. Like he was kind of throwing off that his daughter asks him that. Yeah, great. I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad that everyone loves college here because yeah, yeah, I, I, this episode so good. All right, and to finish off, uh, you guys didn't do this. I just did. It. I want to see what you guys think. So I ranked the seasons. So I went two in order. I'll actually go from yeah, I'll go from favorite to least favorite. So I went two, one, six B. Five, four, three, and six A. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, six A is, is when the beginning is the is the dream stuff. Right? Yeah, when, when he gets sure yeah, he gets I, shot. I yeah. So, and I think six A is the worst by a substantial margin too. Not not even like close. Six uh, B went goes up specifically because it really just has the it's everything. It's the end of everything. So. Uh, four went down a little bit, even though it has white caps, because the rest of the season is good, but it's a little slow. It's a, yeah. it, it's much slower pace than the other one. And three has Jackie Jr., so I don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what any? What would you change? At least, what would be your favorite if you can think of Jack? Uh, I'm pretty sure my favorite would be two. Also, uh, yeah, three. Th- I think three might be up there. As well, but I I am all, I am in full agreements with you that six uh, A is ungodly slow and yeah yeah it, it kind of takes a bit to get there. It's the we can we can fast forward and skip episode six <laughs> yeah, A. Yeah. Back uh, half of season yeah, two. Yeah, like that. Peaks. I think I think I've even skipped all the dream sequences when I watch. I that have. Episode. I have. I think I skip and I just go to the to the uh, the non dream. I watch. I watch the first episode and once he gets shot, I. To skip to, to yes. Out. Uh, okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one that does that. Uh, what about you? What's your favorite season? If you ever can think of one, up the top? only one, one, and two one and is two. Like I said, like one just because it's like we it just revolutionized TV, and then two is just like I wouldn't say the show found its footing, but it just like it was just more like okay, like we 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 know what we got. We saw the reaction season two. Now let's let's level up. Let's level it up. Yeah, tighten and, the screws. Yeah. And then for the series finale, I mean. I think it's perfect because I've seen the show so many times. When it happened, I liked it. I even liked it back then, despite the reaction. As I've grown, it's been fifteen. It's been now seventeen years since it. Wow, seventeen years. It's been seventeen years since the show ended, and I have grown. I think it's probably my favorite series finale of all time. Because it, it it adheres to what the show has always been about. And I do think that if you watch the show, disregard what David Chase like has said in the last couple of years, but what he said back in 2007, 8, 9, 10, where he's like, I leave you cookie crumbs throughout, you know where the show ends if you pay attention to everything in the final season. He kind of lays everything out to you pretty easily. And I also think it's hypocritical that a lot of people wanted to see Tony Soprano die when you spent literally seven, well, six seasons rooting for him to live, and now you just want to end the show with him getting killed on screen. I think that's very hypocritical of fans. Um, but I've seen this show four times 
is since 2020. <laughs> Twin right. Peaks is getting up there in terms of like series finales. Both of them, specifically the the returns finale, <laughs> because I think the return. Um, I think that is what David Lynch wanted that show to end. He didn't want to answer any questions, and I also think that the well, because that show finishes in the Palmer in Laura's house, and she pretty much, in my opinion, at that moment, she remembers everything that happens to her. I think this is also David Lynch saying that Laura's Laura's murder can never be undone. It's unavoidable. He's doomed to be murdered forever. Exactly. And like I think that is not just pure Lynch. It's just perfect storytelling. Um, and then I, I actually did write Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, in The Office to round out my top five because Better Call Saul is already up there. It didn't even like it didn't even need two years. Oh, in terms of finale, or yeah. Final like thinking thinking of it like right now, like Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, The Office, uh, Boy Meets World for me too. Uh, <laughs> I, it sucks I Love Lucy didn't have a finale, but yeah, those are kind of like the finales that stand out to me. But The Sopranos as a whole is a finale. Are, yay or nay, Jack? Uh, I think it works. Um, and I, I, it's one that I've had to like kind of unpack, and it's one that like I would be lying if I said that I did not like consult with like an explained video <laughs> after watching the show, because I was just like, huh. That's what makes it fun to me. Yeah, yeah, and like it was kind of like reaffirming like some ideas and like presenting new ones. Like the first time, the first time I saw it, I you know I remember for a fact I clocked, I was like, huh, mobster going into a bathroom. What does this possibly remind me of? And then the <laughs> video like reaffirmed that. And I was like, there it is. Uh, but no, I mean, just kind of, I've heard that like David Chase is like, what, like wanted to keep, like that season kind of intentionally vague, but like you said, like if you follow along and you can kind of figure it out, would I say that I 100% am confident I figured it out? No, I think you could probably convince yep. me, but I, I think it is effective nonetheless. And I think it is well executed and I really don't know what I would have it be otherwise so. you you yeah i agree with you 1000 percent. this journey song says everything even though the movie ends it goes on and on and on and on and i'm like all right I, right there like we fade to black but his story continues we're just not privy to it anymore and then you could also take it as in the beginning of the season bacala's like yo so you don't even hear when it happens right and then yep, 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 yep. and then there you go you could say that he dies too it's it's yeah. It's a perfect level of ambiguity, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and and like like two thousand and one, uh, which I think he said he's like taking inspo from. Like it's another thing where like I don't think either side is like inherently or, like any argument is like inherently like bad. I think there's a lot of like feasible things like you could say about it and be like, oh yeah, like that makes sense too. So, yeah. what about you, JC? Oh, in terms of overall ending i do think is my favorite finale but i my final my favorite final shot is still um walter white just lying, oh, on the lying there yeah yeah, yeah. Like, i love it because like with tony it was either he's alive or he's gonna get killed as where where walter white i was like if he didn't die he was gonna go to jail so I would, i'd rather a definitive ending for him that i wouldn't want to be like, oh i, I want to see walter white in jail so i that's why i like i like the the final shot more of in terms of Breaking Bad, because it's just it's just a perfect one. That's that's like the way that he had to end. 
Like, yeah. it, it, to me, Walter White's story couldn't end with him going to jail. And it, just, it was like he died. And then the song, the song choice of My Baby Blue is just perfect. Yeah, that was more Saul's ending of going to jail, not not yeah. Walter White. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I'm glad that we're all in agreement on the, the ending and the show. And this has been quite the fun discussion. I think it's... If anyone has not seen this show, just give it a whirl. It's just... Even if we spoiled a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was going to It doesn't say, even uh... matter. It doesn't I mean, even if listen, matter. If you listen to this episode without watching the show, then that's on Kudos you. Kudos to you. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that wraps every, everything up. Uh, I think next month we're going to try something really fun. I don't know if JC's going to want to come. I don't even think I've told this to Jack yet. What? I don't think I, you have. I, well, so I have on the calendar some rom com February oh. that has some anniversaries. Um, and I think that with Harry Met Sally turning having an anniversary this year, it'd be thirty five. Down for yeah. We, sh- we can kick things off in February with that. So what were the four, four movies you mentioned? You were. You were uh, I'll, I'll tell you off the air. Uh, oh. but yeah. So we'll we'll start rom com February, and then we're gonna get right into the Oscars in March, where we're gonna look at some Best Picture winners, which mm. will kick off, I believe, with the forty fifth anniversary and probably the longest episode we'll ever do. The Godfather Part Two. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, doing it in March. Okay, yeah, I thought you were gonna do that. Mm-hmm. No, December. no, I, I don't want to wait anymore. We've been waiting yeah. way too long for this. <laughs> Might as well get, get get all the Oscar stuff in when we can. Amadeus no, is being covered in March. Pulp Fiction is being covered in March, and we are gonna do our Oscar episode, giant seven hour Oscar tier <laughs> episode in March. So it's gonna be a fun two months on the pod. Jack, as always, thank you for joining us. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, you can find me on Letterboxd, see what I'm watching, see what I've given movies. And you can also watch all three of us on The League of Cinephiles, which is coming back for season four here soon. So keep an eye out for that. And JC. Uh, you can find me at Merc with the Movies on Instagram. Um, I usually post movies, news about, and reviews about and every type of size movies. I'm currently running a year-long product called 80s Film Friday, so I'm just trying to get a lot of niche um 80s film like i said three o'clock high next week i'm doing cruising spoiler but <laughs> to get it in i want to rewatch it um and um also do a lot of anniversary reviews so it's a lot of great movies this year this that are going to come up with anniversaries of 1984 89 94 99 and then like jag mentioned i'm part of the league of with with the guys and this is our final season one last ride so it should be a fun one Hey, you can find me at the cinematicreel.com and also Cinematic Reel on Instagram, Letterboxd, X, Twitter, wherever you uh, guys are on social. Until next week, see you at the movies, guys. Bye.